Welcome to The Faith of My Uncles, a podcast by a former fundamentalist turned broadly evangelical turned old school Presbyterian who's hooked on the writings of the early church fathers. This podcast serves as an outlet for my musings on the writings of the fathers. I don't read Greek or Hebrew or Latin or Aramaic or any other dead languages, so all my readings come from English translations made in the past 150 years, give or take a few. I just like reading the writings, however pedantic and obscure, of really, really, really long dead theologians. In the next series of podcasts, I'm going to cover one book in a series by the so-called father of Latin Christendom, Tertullian. This book is a polemic against a heretic named Marcion, and the first podcast serves as an introduction to the background and context for what is to come in the following podcasts. So, who is Marcion? He was born the son of a bishop in the region of Pontus on the southern side of the Black Sea in what is now central Turkey, somewhere around the end of the first century, possibly 110 AD. He was apparently very wealthy, perhaps even a bishop himself, and gave a lot of money to the church in Rome after his conversion to Christianity. Eventually, he was excommunicated for heretical teaching sometime around 144 AD and led one of the first widely successful heretical groups that split from Orthodox Christianity. His teachings were notable for arguing for a form of dualism with a god of the Old Testament and a separate god of the New Testament. He's also important because he was one of the first recorded individuals to claim a fixed canon, though he was not not the complete New Testament that we recognize today. He had taken the book of Luke and cut it up to suit his purposes and only accepted the writings of Paul in the New Testament. My uncle Tertullian was a Carthaginian by birth, born around 155 AD. Not a lot is known of his background and life, though he may have been trained in Roman law due to a number of examples and references to legal language, terminology, and examples in his writings. He was converted sometime around the end of the second century, became a prolific apologist for the church, and then seemed to have fallen in with some heretics of his own, the Montanists. There's much more that could be said, but it's the the focus on apologetics that brings me to the main point. Among his many works, he wrote five books against Marcion, and we're going to do a close reading of book four. So what follows is a kind of a brief survey of the first six chapters, and then I'm going to do some commentary on that after the fact. So starting with chapter one, Tertullian explains how Marcion has written this book of what he calls antitheses aimed at demonstrating that the gods of the Old Testament and New Testament are different. Tertullian's plan is to counter these antitheses by showing them to be inconsistent with Marcion's own version of Luke. There's a, there is a diversity between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and Tertullian acknowledges this. He talks about how there's differences of language and how the law is presented in the Old Testament. But Tertullian's main point in writing all this is that there's one God who wrote all of it. He notes that Isaiah testifies to the gospel proclaimed to the whole world. So he's Isaiah's pointing forward to what we see in the rest of the New Testament. And he also goes on to talk about the covenant with Israel and how it was a temporary covenant. And the eternal covenant, which is pointed to by Jeremiah and Isaiah both, is the eternal covenant that God will make with all the people everywhere who believe the gospel. You see this in Jeremiah 31, for example. The covenant is fulfilled in Christ, testified to by his genealogy from David like we see in both Matthew and in Luke. Also, the Levitical sacrifices that were found in the Old Testament, far from being something completely counterposed to the gospel in the New Testament, they foreshadowed the simple sacrifices of prayer and worship that the church offers up to God in the New Testament. So wherever you see there's a change from an old to a new uh, image or a, a type or some activity, of course there's a difference between the Old Testament or the old thing and the new thing but the old points to the new throughout Scripture, and you see that throughout the Old and New Testament. So if you think about it, in the Old Testament, especially, and I'm thinking of the verses in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, 
God says he's going to do something new. He's going to create a new covenant with the house of Israel and all of those who call on God because all of those who call on God are the house of Israel. So God tells us in the Old Testament he's going to do something new. And so he's pointing forward to himself writing about, you know, the writings you're going to see in the New Testament. One of the, one of the funny points Tertullian makes is, God says he will kill and he will make alive. That doesn't make him fickle or unjust. It doesn't mean that there's two different gods, one in the Old Testament, one in the New. The point, his point is that there's diversity in the Bible, but that doesn't make, diversity does not imply a different person wrote the different parts of scripture. It's not, there's not a whole bunch of different authors with competing viewpoints that, that the Old Testament and New Testament gods got to do their work. So moving on to chapter 2, Tertullian notes that the New Testament was written by the apostles and the disciples under the authority of Christ. The four gospels written by the apostles and or their disciples are all based on the conviction that Christ came to fulfill all of the Old Testament. Marcion's gospel, which claims no authorship, just kind of shows up. Why would we trust that over the four gospels, which we know were written by the apostles? If you think about it, Tertullian, where he stands, he's 100 years maybe even 50 years after the last apostle died tops. So much closer to the originals and is very confident in the, the original apostles, the original apostles in their writings and not, and not some guy named Marcion who showed up after the fact, even more so if Tertullian didn't know if the church around him didn't know who were the authors, they didn't know who the real authors of the gospel were, you know, if they were just, say the Lucan tradition or the Matthean tradition that came after Matthew and Luke. And it wasn't really Matthew and Luke who wrote them. Why would they, who would you, who were living not long after the apostles, how would they have really lost those gospels? So Tertullian wonders, you know, why would Marcion have picked Luke and then, you know, cut it up? I mean, if you think about, if you want to pick an, a gospel to be authoritative, Luke's gospel is the least quote unquote trustworthy in the sense that Luke was a Gentile who was a follower of Paul, who was the last of the appointed apostles. And Paul was the one who had to, he said, he told, he says himself in Galatians two, too, that he had to go and validate his gospel teaching with the other apostles to make sure he was doing it right. The other apostles had walked with Jesus. Paul never actually met Jesus other than on the road to Emmaus. So it's kind of an interesting point that why would Marcion have picked the gospel with theoretically the least credibility if you were going to look at just the human author. Moving on to chapter 3, Marcion calls out the authority of the other gospels saying that there's no way they were right since, or they were, they were written by, you know, corrupt individuals since Paul rebuked Peter and some of the false apostles in the book, in the, as recorded in the book of Galatians. So, the question, though, is if Marcion's gospel was really the right, really the true gospel, where are the original texts from which it was derived? And why is it that the other gospels and texts, which were known to the church at the time and preceded Marcion's gospel in time, why were they different than Marcion's gospel? So Tertullian in chapter 4 claims the authority of the Orthodox gospels, the actual original texts, and Marcion's claiming authority for his own text. So how do we know which is the right one? The decision has got to be made from Tertullian's point of view based on which ones came first. His point, uh, he says over and over again, truth always precedes error. So true doctrine is always corrupted after the doctrine comes. So how could the, the Orthodox gospel, which 
had been around for at least 50 or 100 years before Marcion's gospel shows up, how could that have been the false one? The real Luke, the orthodox, the original gospel of Luke, precedes Marcion's version of it by at least 100 years. So for Marcion to claim that the orthodox gospel of Luke was mixed up and adulterated by Judaizers with corruptions from the Old Testament is completely illogical if you think about it, since it... Marcion's version of Luke shows up like 160, 800, or 180, maybe even 200 AD. How does Marcion think that that version of Luke is going to be more trusted or more received by the church than the one that they've had in their hands for 100 years? That's kind of Tertullian's argument. So this one quote from Tertullian kind of sums it up really well. He says, To be sure, an amender of that gospel, which has been all topsy-turvy from the days of Tiberius to those of Antoninus, first presented himself in Marcion alone, so long looked for by Christ, who was all along regretting that he had been in so great a hurry to send out his apostles without the support of Marcion. But for all that, heresy, which is forever mending the Gospels and corrupting them in the act, is an affair of man's audacity, not of God's authority. So if basically he's saying, if the Gospel had been you know, in question from the time that Jesus was born until the time that Marcion came along, it's a good thing that Jesus finally got Marcion to show up, and he probably regretted the fact that he let the apostles go out and write their gospels before he had Marcion there to correct everything. So that's kind of his, he's making a joke saying that, why would we trust Marcion, who came along 100 years after the gospel was written, and then cut it up and changed it all around? So, the ortho- and so moving on to chapter 5, Tertullian talks about how the Orthodox churches, so these were kind of the original churches that were founded, were founded by the apostles and their disciples. And the Gospels and the epistles that the apostles wrote to them, so the things that kind of comprise what we now know as the New Testament, were all unchanged from the time they were written until the time of Tertullian and Marcion. So Mar- Marcion has no standing to just suddenly go, hey, I've got, I've got the real version of Luke, when the churches had the Gospel of Luke for at least 100 years before Marcion even was born, much less, you know, became a so-called Christian or started teaching his own false gospel. In chapter 6, you know, Mar- he talks to s- about Marcion's teaching that Christ was an emissary of some god who had not been around or not known prior to Christ's coming, and that everything he teaches is contrary to the Old Testament and the so-called creator, which is the Old Testament god. This, in theory, this is the kind of the premise that Marcion takes to why he, how he approaches his cut-up version of Luke. So, Tertullian says, okay, fine. Well, let's look at, let's, instead of going through and actually arguing with your antitheses and all of your philosophy, let's just go look at your cut-up version of the Gospel of Luke and see if what you left in the Gospel of Luke actually support, supports the theory that you put forth about Christ being the, you know, the Messiah of some new God that we didn't know about. So, what's the point of all of this? What do we care about all this Tertullian and Marcion going back and forth? You know, when you look at it, it's one old dead guy beating up another old dead guy who was actually older. So, Tertullian was actually born probably about the time Marcion died. So, so one old guy beating up somebody who'd already died, arguing about some long-gone heresy about multiple gods where one is just, one is just, quote-unquote, that's what Marcion says, and one is good. That's what Marcion says. So it sounds kind of like Manichaeism or Zoroastrianism or any of these old weird dualistic religions. I mean, we don't have, even have dualism type 
face anymore, unless not not particularly. So who really cares? Why would why would we want to read this? So let me tell you. Think about when this was written. This was written in you know the mid two hundreds sometimes. This is pre Nicaea, so Nicene Creed. The church doesn't yet have a fully formed idea of what canon is, so the complete scripture. And at this point in time, they definitely did not have a complete list of all scriptures. So, you know, what comprises the Old Testament and what's the New Testament? They probably had all of the all of the stuff written down in some form, but no one had assembled a complete list and said, "Okay, these are the actual scriptures yet." And God had not revealed that to the church to say specifically these twenty-seven books and these thirty-two books are, are all of scripture. So, along comes this guy, name of Marcion, who who splits with the church over the over the issue of the identity of Christ. Says Christ is not the Christ of the Old Testament. He's not the one that the prophets talked about, and his father is not the creator. He's he's making an argue. So Marcion's making this argument based on some source text saying, hey, I've got the right scriptures and you guys have the wrong one. So he, you know, he's taken the book of Luke, changed it around, said, I've got this is the right gospel. So in terms of canon, with so many doctrines of the faith, if you look through church history, the concept of canon and other doctrines doesn't get nailed down, doesn't get fully fleshed out and really thought through in all of its principles and particulars until a heresy comes along that says hey, that's not right, or something that contradicts the kind of assumed beliefs of the church. So, you know, prior to Marcion, it may have been assumed that the writings of Paul, the four Gospels, Revelation, the other books of the New Testament, all the stuff in the Old Testament, were all inspired scripture, but the church hadn't really been forced to deal with the concept of canon, to really sit down and think through what really was scripture until at this point. So, this is a period of time they're arguing about which books go in the Bible. So, how do you decide it's this group of books? How do you decide it's this group of books and not these group of books? I mean, that's what Marcion asks. He said, isn't the Old Testament in- inconsistent with the New Testament? I mean, doesn't James contradict Paul? Doesn't the Old Testament contradict the New Testament? Isn't the Old Testament kind of God, kind of all hellfire and brimstone and judgment and damnation in the New Testament? Jesus is talking about the love of the Father. That isn't... Jesus. What Jesus is teaching doesn't sound like what's in the Old Testament, so it's not part of my Bible. So he throws out all the Old Testament. So for us, one of the fundamental tenets of our faith is that the Bible, the source of the truth that we believe, is consistent and that it's all God-breathed, all of Scripture. But if we can't agree on what constitutes Scripture, then we don't have a truth to, on which to found our faith. So in this book, Tertullian isn't explicitly trying to answer all these questions, but he is answering the fundamental question about the Scriptures. Is the Old Testament part of the Bible? Should we think of it as scripture? He answers with a resounding yes. The unity of the Bible, the authenticity of it is God's word, isn't just something we wrestle with today. So when you look back and you see how Tertullian, our, you know, one of our spiritual uncles, from the earliest days of the church wrestled with this, kind of the same question, not exactly the same, but close to the same questions, you know, well, really different context, you know, 1900, 2000 years ago, it's really helpful to understand what they were thinking through and then maybe it will shed light on how we should look at the Old Testament and the New Testament. So in the next however many podcasts, we're going to do a very close reading of volume four of Tertullian's polemic or his books against Marcion. And this is the book where he takes up Marcion's quote unquote version of Luke and says, even if you just read what Marcion said was quote unquote scripture from the book of Luke, you can't cut the Old Testament out of it. You can't 
there's no way to understand that text as saying that this is a different Jesus than the one we have proclaimed in the Old Testament. So I'm super excited for, about this series, and I'm looking forward to seeing all of the ways that Tertullian finds links between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and seeing the perspective, this perspective on the unity of the scriptures that may not be familiar to someone like me who's sitting at my desk 1900 years removed from that. I'm super excited to see what it is that Tertullian sees, you know, types in the Old Testament point to anti-types in the New Testament, seeing how Old Testament scripture is fulfilled in the New Testament. I'm, I'm super stoked. I hope that y'all will join me for this and looking forward to many episodes to come because this is a long text and I've got a few episodes already queued up and more to come in the not too distant future. So enjoy.